0: Man, I'll tell you what that dang old internet man you just going on there point and point click getting in there and talking about ww.w call me you got that, that, that for some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. Well, for my money, he's got all the facial characteristics of a criminal. Now here's your host, that gravy soppin', croppie floppin', stump jumpin', bobble thumpin', gun-totin' made her growin' son of a gun, the Backwoods Baptist himself, Pastor Harold Smith. talk about something today that I think is <clears throat> its long overdue. Yeah, I, I know I've covered it before. Uh, Wade and I talked about it over at the Patriot Pastors podcast, and it's social media. We need to discuss social media. It's becoming such a prevalent part of our lives. Uh, I remember when people would ask you Are you on Facebook? Are you on Twitter? Now it's just what social media are you on? You know, where could I find you at? And so just about everyone that is able to turn a computer on or has a smartphone has some social media platform in which they are a part of. And by social media, I mean Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, those kind of things. I might have left some out, uh, some of the more, um, Uh, what do they call them? Patriot friendly. Some of the new ones like Rumble and Square, was it Squarespace? Not Squarespace makes websites. MySpace, that's an old one. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about? Social media. What we're going to do today is apply a heaping helping of Southern fried common sense with an open Bible to social media, because that's what Backwoods Baptists would traditionally do to the issues of the time. And if you're wondering what a backwoods Baptist is, well, it's the kind of Baptist that spread across America, planting churches, holding revivals, sharing the gospel. They had a zeal for evangelism. They were more practical than they were, um, ultra educated. They were not academics, even though they weren't fools. Uh, they spent their time really just working and laboring to teach people the word of God and express their need to repent. And believe the gospel as found in scripture. You too might be a backwoods Baptist if in your church on the coat rack there's camouflage jackets and orange hats during the winter. You might be really backwoods if there are no orange because your guys are so backwoods they don't wear orange where you're at. Anyways, let's talk about social media. I am on social media. I have a Instagram account. I have a Facebook account. I have a Twitter account. I have a TikTok account. Um, I don't use them all that much and I use them less now than I've done in the past. But the reason that I have these things is because it's a great way to get news. You can get news. I never get news from the television. So I don't listen to the local news. I don't listen to national news programs. Um, Uh, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just, I'm choosing not to get my news from there. I'm doing my own homework, as they say. So, the reason for this is I can get on social media and I can get information from platforms where they might give a perspective that you're just not going to get on the television. Plus, I keep up with my family on social media. You know, I have two kids that are in their mid to early 20s and I can keep up with what my kids are doing on social media. I can also um, keep up with distant family on social media. I can see what Aunt Mary's doing out of state. I can keep up with Uncle Tom and my cousin, Laura, you know, the extended family that you don't see, but maybe every two or three years at a reunion or something, I can find out when the babies are born and how the job is going and who graduated college on social media. And then also I have a number of distant friends. Uh, I'm talking about people that I was in the military with 30 years ago. Uh, I'm I'm friends with them, and I only know them now or interact with them now through social media. To completely get off social media would mean I would lose contact with distant friends, preachers in other states, uh, churches that I've worked with in other states. A lot of times I'll go somewhere and preach. And somebody from the church will find me on Facebook. And next thing you know, I've got a cluster of friends in this part of Texas or this part of Oklahoma, or you know this part of Missouri or wherever it is that I've preached at. And so I keep up with those churches and those distant friends through social media. So there are good good aspects of it, and i'm I'm not saying social media is of the devil. It's really in how you use it. But we've also got to be realistic, along with with news and family and friends there's a lot of junk on social media. There's a lot of questionable content. And I I don't mean fake news. I don't mean independent fact checkers that are not independent and don't know the facts. I'm talking about you're going to find uh, pictures that are not wholesome. And I'm not talking about porn. You can put stuff on your computer to limit what comes through, but you're going to see things that Basically, society is okay with, but you as a Christian may not be okay with. And so you're going to find questionable content. You're going to see jokes. You're going to see memes. You're going to see things that maybe wouldn't be wholesome. And what's going to happen is they're not really that bad. They're just what we would say a little off color, maybe just a little bit risque. But what's going to happen is you're going to get bombarded with them over and over and over. You're going to see these posts that will soften your view. In other words, you may have the opinion that something is just outright wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, this is, this is wrong, but over time you'll see that everybody else doesn't think it's wrong. I remember as a kid, uh, this happened to me in my family. It was okay to say, but with two T's, you know, I fell and hurt my butt. I was at a friend's house. That was a, that was a cuss word at his house. So when I used it, I mean, his mother dropped the spoon in the cake batter. He spun around looking at me like, you're probably fixing to get a whipping. And I didn't know I'd done anything wrong. But in certain societies, you're going to find other things are acceptable there. And if we look at the American culture, there's a lot of things acceptable in American culture that Christians are becoming more and more okay with. Cuss words are becoming more and more common in society. And Christians are going to be, have to encounter more and more of that because they're on a social setting where they're getting bombarded with these things. So w- with the news and the family and the distant friends and all of this, we've also got junk and questionable content. But really, that's not the problem if you limit how much time you're on there. See, the problem with social media is it's a big, it's a big waste of time. You can spend hours a day on social media and not realize it. You see, I've got my phone laying here. And you may say, well, I don't spend hours on social media. But if you're in the doctor's office like I was a couple weeks ago, everybody in there is doing this right here, scrolling. I mean, I looked around the room. One old lady was reading a book. All the other old people, all the young people, all were sitting here glued to a phone, just scrolling, 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 scrolling. You say, well, I, I couldn't do anything else. I was just waiting. Yeah, but then you go in a restaurant and everybody orders and there's a family of four and they're all sitting there scrolling. You could be talking to your family. You see, if you add up all those, just a couple minutes, well, I'm going to check my, I'm going to check my notifications and you do that for Facebook and you do that for Twitter and you respond to a message and you comment and you like a picture and you just do that maybe for five minutes an hour, in an hour. At the end of the day, that is an hour. Five times 12, 60, you've burned an hour with this thing in your hand all day. And there again, it's not like it's all bad. It's just become such a time waster to us. And on top of that, social media is designed to make you social. So when you log on to social media, the first thing you'll see at the top of the screen is What's on your mind today? Or write a post about what's happening. Whatever it is, they're encouraging you to give your opinion. They're asking for your opinion. They want you to post this. And you remember whenever, when Facebook was new and it was basically just a bunch of old people taking pictures of what they had for lunch. I don't know if I've just filtered these people out or they just don't do it as much, but I mean, I can remember just constantly seeing pictures of people's lunch, supper, and breakfast. I'm like, man, that seems like all, that's all there is on here. What made us think that we needed to share our biscuits and gravy with the world? What, what, what was it that said, wait a minute, before I take a bite out of this sandwich, I need to take a picture of it because everybody needs to know what a baloney sandwich looks like. We know what a baloney sandwich looks like, and we don't care that you ate one. But because of social media, you have been, you've been conditioned to think that everybody on your friend list wants to see this. And so there are a lot of people and I'm not judging anybody. I'm just stating facts. There are a lot of people that make multiple posts every day. They comment on multiple topics all day long. They're spending hours upon hours each day, each week just giving us their opinion on various things and social media knows how to draw this out of you because they reward you for giving a popular opinion. They chastise you for giving an unpopular opinion. When I first got on TikTok, I had been goose hunting that day and I took a picture of a goose and was holding it up. And I thought, you know, this will get a lot of views. Cause I mean, I killed this great big Canada goose and I shared it and I waited for the you know, the comments and the likes and everything to roll in. They never happened. I I pulled out my phone. I thought, did I not upload it? I checked. I did upload it, but I violated the community guidelines. I showed a dead animal and I was like, oh, I can't show a dead animal unless he's already cut into stakes. Then we can show all kinds of pictures of him. So that, that post that was not acceptable in the social platform was kicked out. But if you do post a popular post and it gets likes, they'll spread that more. It'll be a, it'll become what we call viral. It'll spread like wildfire. And this reward or lack of reward is very addictive. So what happens is we feel like, man, I need to show this. Everybody will like this. I'll get lots of likes. I'll get lots of attention. And our thirst for being accepted, which is a natural uh, a reaction, our thirst for uh, getting attention. I, I know people who will say, "Oh, I don't want any attention. I'm an introvert." And you look at their Facebook page, and it's like, "I'm like, no, you're not an introvert. You, you just don't like being in real society. You like being in the in the social society that only works through a computer screen or a or a smartphone." So. This idea of instant response, this idea that, that we need your opinion leads to the idea of, I need an instant response every day. They're asking me, uh, wh- wh- what do you want? What do you want to talk about today? You remember the little cartoon with champ and chump, I think is what it was. Champ and Chump. It was like a great big bulldog and his name was champ. And then there was this little bitty dog running beside him. What are we going to do today, champ? What are we going to do today, champ? We're going to chase a cat today, champ? And he was just constantly, constantly asking, well, that's what social media does to us. It asks us over and over and over. What are you doing? What are you doing? Did you vote? Have you been vaccinated? Are you registered to vote? Uh, It asks you all these questions and it wants you to share it. It'll give you pre-written post that all you simply need to do is hit a button and it registers your response. It gives us polls where we can vote and give our opinion on things. This idea of instant response where we feel like we have to know the answer. We have to get the answer. We have to get the news right now. You remember when the news used to just come on at 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock or 6 o'clock and, yeah, I think it was 6 and 10, and that was it. And if you'd missed it, you missed it. You had to get the paper, and it came out once a day. Well, man, we're in a 24-hour news cycle. What happens if there's no news? What happens if nothing exciting happens? News companies generate excitement. Talk show hosts generate excitement. Because if there's no excitement and there's no controversy, you're not tuning into these talk shows, listening to them talk politics. There's nothing happening in politics. Same goes for social media. We have to find out what's going on. The desire for instant response means that we have lost our patience. I can remember before cell phones going fishing in the morning, and nobody would even know I died until about 10 o'clock that night and when everybody was going to bed and he never came home. Now, if they send a text and I don't respond in five minutes. They're practically on the phone with the sheriff's office getting the man hunting dogs out. Well, we texted you and and you didn't answer. The last few weeks, I've been privileged to go out of town into area of Arkansas and an area of Virginia where my cell coverage was basically non-existent. And man, did I ever love that time together. I mean, I took a book and I read over half of it. Uh, It was a fascinating book, and I had all kinds of time to read it because when I would sit down to eat, I wouldn't pull my phone out while I ate and scan through useless information. Instead, I would get a book out and would actually lay it there, and I laid a kitchen knife across the paper so they would stay flat, and I would eat and read a book. That's what our forefathers did. That's what the Backwoods Baptists used to do, and I think we've lost our ability to do that. Because we're so connected to media that we have to constantly be fed and feed into the media. And so we have this idea that we need to have an opinion on everything. We've got to have an opinion on literally everything. We can't just say, that doesn't matter to me. It's like, what do you think? And then when something comes out, we go look to our sources. Well, what is... You know, what does Sean Hannity think? You know, what does Kurt Cobear uh, or what whatever his name is, what does he think? What, is, what does this celebrity think? What does this athlete think? What is, what is this guy? And so we got all these people. We want to know their thoughts and, and what they think. Maybe we have a religious authority. And all my stars, the, the religious are no different than the rest of the world. There's a real string of religious heroes in basically every circle, whether your word of faith you want to know what Kenneth Copeland thought, or you're reformed. You want to know what Steve Lawson thinks, or, you know, you've got, uh, 18 kids and, uh, you're a patriarch and, uh, you homeschool and all this. You want to know what Vody Balkum thinks, you know, everybody's going to their source and we've got to get there fast. And these sources know, Hey, look, I've got to give answers. I- I'm important. I've got this following. Well, I'm here to tell you it didn't used to be that way. Mankind has always had sources. He's always sought information from other people, but the information used to travel slower, and that led us to patience. I always think about these men during the, the Revolutionary War. You know, they send Benjamin Franklin to London, and then he ends up going to France, and they're writing letters to him, telling him what they want the French government to know, and it takes like six weeks to get across there, Then the letter travels by courier. If it makes it, if it doesn't get intercepted, if it doesn't sink on the ship, if it doesn't burn in a fire, and then he writes a response and sends it back, summer's over. We're we're in the fall now. Uh, That's old news. In the information age, we need it now, 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 now. And when we have it right here at the tips of our fingers, Google's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We ought to Google it. We've got information. There's no... There, There's no excuse for being dumb, but just because we have access to information doesn't mean that we're required to give everybody our opinion. And I've had to express this this past week or so because there's a revival that broke out at, um, I believe it's a Wesleyan College in Kentucky, Ashbury or Asbury, something like that. I'm sure you've heard about it. If you've been on social media, it's going around. I've had a ton of text messages. Hey, is this real? Is this fake? Hey, I think this is fake. What do you think? Hey, I think this is real. What do you think it's real? Hey, I don't want to say what I think, but will you tell me what you think? And here's been my response. I don't know. I don't know. And not only do I not know, I don't care. I really don't care. I really do not care if it's a real revival or not. If it's a real revival, I applaud I, I it. Great. If it's not a real revival, it doesn't change anything on my end. And here's why. It's not that I don't want revival to happen, but the questions I've been asked is, is it a real revival? Well, let me tell you something about revivals. Oftentimes when they happen, things happen in a revival that wouldn't normally happen. And then it's hard to explain. We see this with the Great Awakening, Whitfield and Edwards. uh, People respond in different ways. Uh, We see in the Second Great Awakening the same type of thing with the Welsh revivals. All of these major moves of God, there were things that maybe we wouldn't have been comfortable with. Well, that's not a sign that there wasn't a revival. The, the, The point I'm driving at is revival shouldn't be judged from miles away off hearsay and secondhand accounts. Revivals should be judged from years away. Let's look at this in five years and see what came out of it and look at the fruit of it. We can tell by the fruit, what kind of tree it is. Jesus said this by their fruit, you shall know them. So instead of just looking at this early fruit and we got to know, is it right? Is it wrong? We've got to decide. We've got to have an opinion. Who are we backing? Are we backing this list leader or this leader? Are we uh, Who's going to be our, our voice on this? Well, I haven't really had any internet for a few days. I had a couple days of internet and then basically no internet again. And when I did have internet, I really didn't care because a couple weeks ago, I took my phone here. I took the app of Facebook off. I took the app of Twitter off. Those were the two that I checked most often. I can't check them now. I have to get in front of a, a laptop or a computer to do that. And so that's limited the amount of time I can just sit there and scroll. It's limited opinions and tidbits and secondhand, thirdhand, third-hand, fourth-hand information of what I've got. And let's be honest, most of the information we get on there is coming from an echo chamber. If you're a liberal, you're getting it out of the liberal echo chamber. If you're a conservative, you're getting it out of the conservative echo chamber. If you're this stripe of Christian, you're getting it from that echo chamber. People aren't writing a lot of original thought. They're just sharing and retweeting what other people in their camp have said. And I just have really loved the last two weeks of my life being busy, uh, working with other Christians, working with other churches, traveling, preaching, preparing sermons, reading good religious books. I'm like, this has been a much richer experience for the last two weeks than if I had been glued to my phone with ready internet access, checking everything, getting notifications. So now if someone sees, sends me a Facebook message, I don't get notified. I've never had the email on my phone, so I don't get email notifications on my phone. All of that now has been limited to just my computer. And if I'm not in front of it, I'm not bothered. If you got my phone number, you can call me. So. Well, Brother Harold, why don't you weigh in on this Ashbury thing? Well, I don't have time. And if I had time, I'd probably go break my garden. If if I had time to do that, I would probably blade my driveway after all the rain we've had. I've got stuff I'd like to go do. Just trying to weigh in on the revival is not one of them. Plus, I'm too busy. I'm too busy laboring for a revival to happen. I'm preaching. I'm studying. I'm I'm working with churches that are struggling to find pastors. I'm working with churches without pastors. I'm praying that a real revival would happen there. If a real one happens in Kentucky, hey, great. But I'll wait a while and make my judgment on what that was based upon what really happened, after all the dust settles. So if we're busy laboring for a revival, if we're preparing to preach, if we're praying regularly, for studying Scripture if we're doing the things necessary to see a revival take place, why are we wasting our time debating on one states away from us is real or not? Here's why. Because you're too involved with social media. You've believed what that little gadget in your hand has told you. The world wants to know what you think about this revival. And you've formed an opinion on it, and now you have to, get your opinion out there, and you've got to find other people that share your opinion, and you've got to share their post to back up your position to win the debate on the other position. Friend, I got a better, I got a better idea. Turn that stupid thing off. Pull your Bible out and read it. Every time you're tempted to check your phone and see what somebody posted, read one chapter of your Bible. <laughs> people say they can't read their Bible through in a year. That's me. I never can. I I bogged down. I've read the Bible through many times, but I've never been able to stick with a plan. Sometimes I read large amounts of scripture. Sometimes I just study a chapter a day, but I'm not reading to get through. I'm reading to learn. And once I quit reading to get through and started reading to learn, I would back up and read what I wanted. The point is, if we would quit consuming media that's designed to be social to shape the way we think and the way we interact with other people, and we would start reading the scriptures instead, whether it's a chapter. Read the same chapter every time. Pick a chapter that talks about not wasting your time, and every time you're tempted to waste your time, read that chapter. When you get it memorized, find you another chapter that talks about redeeming the time and start reading it. When you get to you can memorize that chapter, you'll have half the Bible memorized, and you won't even know what people's hamburger look like at lunch. That's the point of the whole thing. We're spending our time on things that don't matter a thousand years from now. Nobody's going to care that you want to debate on um, whether this revival was real or not, or you broke the new story, or you discovered something new. What's going to matter in a thousand years is that you were faithful and that you have labored, and that when you arrive in heaven, you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the rest of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to hear. That's not going to come through winning social media debates. That only comes from spending time in prayer, spending time in the word of God, spending time with the church, working to see a real revival take place. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on the next Backwoods Baptist podcast.